Welcome back to the Grind Season Podcast. I'm your host, Saint. And uh, before the Jays game, uh, in about 30 minutes, I just want to come on here real quick, uh, give a few updates, uh, what's going on around baseball and things of that nature. So, but before that, before that, I just watched um, a like uh, commentary or a video essay type thing on YouTube, I guess, about uh, this Oppenheimer movie that's coming out. Or it might be out by now, I don't know. And I gotta tell you, I really want to see this movie now. Like, I like I saw the preview from Time. I thought it's been out because I saw the I saw the trailer. Like, I want to say like almost a year ago now. I've always liked I've always liked the idea, but I am really interested in seeing how uh, they they're gonna tell the story visually. Um, I really want to see that movie, man. And the fact that it's it's they they did it the way they did with uh, all the IMAX technology and stuff like that. I gotta watch that shit. I don't I don't really don't watch movies like in theaters or just really in general as much as I used to. Um, I did see Flash. It was okay. The Flash. The thing with that last Flash movie is I feel like they they had to put Batman in there. Like I don't know. It's it sort of felt it sort of felt cheap. You know, like you can't you can't perpetuate this storyline just with the Flash character. You know what I mean? And um, it was a bit sensationalized, and you know, Wonder Woman was in it for like all of ten seconds, which I won't complain. I mean, she's bad, but like she didn't add anything to the story necessarily. So I think I'm just growing tired of whether it's DC or Marvel, whatever. You know, I'm I'm tired of that style. It's very, um, it's 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 just too. It's like Top Gun ish. It's so optimistic. There's no nuance. There's no. There's no gray area. It's very. It's very, you know, the good guys prevail, right? There's no. There's not a lot of emotional complexity. I mean, there's some moments in in uh, Marvel, like in Endgame. There's a couple moments like that, but really, it's um, yeah. I'm getting tired of that 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 style, that genre of superhero movies. You know, it just doesn't. It doesn't. I don't, like. I don't connect with it as much as maybe I used to. Um, I do appreciate the ones that try to be funnier though. Like um, the the old Iron Mans are on the funnier side, like and like purposefully, you know. Um, and I feel like sometimes with the Avengers movies, they try but they fail because I don't know. There's the not like not every actor is meant to do things like that. I feel like like RDJ is very funny. Um, he's he's versatile as an actor. You know, you can you can get him to do different stuff, but like. Um, what's Captain America's name? Um, yeah, it's escaping me right now, but he's not really, like, he's one of those guys, like, he can be funny as, like, the butt of a joke, or, like, a joke can be at his expense, but he's not someone that's going to be telling jokes or, or perpetuating the humor with his words, with his dialogue, you know? It, it, I mean, and not and not the character of Captain America, just the, that actor, Chris Evans, Chris Evans. He's just... Chris Evans is not that guy to me. So they try that that kind of deadpan humor in Avengers and it just doesn't it, it really doesn't do much for me. So that's just how I feel about Marvel right now and DC. So that's that's the flash, but yeah, Oppenheimer I got to see. Um working on a few projects of my own right now. So what because it's summer I have time now. I did just or almost finished drafting a script. Um uh, yeah, I should have like maybe like a page left to write, and then I can I can get to polishing that up and, and um, researching the next one. I have I have my idea for the next one. 
I won't make it too hot as of now, but I think it's going to be pretty good. I have I have some resources at my disposal to to make it better than it has any business being, uh, considering I have no film equipment. But um, yeah, any anything I make for YouTube is iMovie and Audacity. Okay, I don't have I don't have I did have FL I have like pirated FL Studio that doesn't really work quite right, and. I could pirate Adobe software if I really, if, but my computer don't have space for it, so I would have to like delete Audacity and re-download it and all that stuff. It's just not, it's just not worth it for me at this point. If I had like a better, if I had a better Mac, sure, right? But um, it is what it is. But I'm working on those projects right now, so I will say, anyone listening, if you or your parents, your friends, your auntie, your uncle, whoever the fuck it is, uh, works in electrical generation or electrical distribution so um you know the the your local authority for uh, power gen or or your local hydro uh get in get in touch with me on instagram uh if they'd be willing to do an interview because i'd love to speak to them about that so that's that's the uh that's the details i will give but yeah that's what i need and i have a couple at my disposal so that project is definitely doable it's one of the more doable ideas i've had i have a, like i start writing a lot of scripts that never go anywhere because i just i reach a dead end in terms of what i'm actually able to do like a lot of a lot of things require a better camera or more connections and it's just like ah oh, man i'm gonna i'm gonna be like have to pull all-nighters all week just to even make a dent in what like one of those so you know so a lot of scripts end that way but um yeah so i'm just going to be moving forward now with ideas that are actually plausible so that's that um but yeah so some things coming on youtube for sure pretty soon um it just takes a while it takes a while for me because i'm one guy i don't have a research team none of that so it just takes a little bit longer but that'll that'll call that'll all come in due time uh, yeah, so that's that's it for that. So baseball, just real quick. Uh, the Rays are still 57 and 32. I don't expect a regression at this point. I don't. The Orioles, I do, because the Orioles are like, I think they said they were vastly outperforming um, their expected win total based on, uh, you know, all those fucking fancy analytical gong show stats that StatCast and Fangraphs has, you know, the ex-WOBA, all this bullshit. You know, I don't really like, look, I, I think, the way I think about stats, I, I'm a stat nerd when it comes to baseball, okay? Not not so much other sports, but when it comes to baseball, I don't rely on eye tests alone. I like to look at the stats, I like to delve into these things, but I do think stats is, is just like, it should work in tandem with just understanding what you're watching bro don't just follow something on statcast watch the game that's what i think i think they should work together like let's say let's say i'm a scout let's say i'm a gm and i I have the option to between drafting one player with superb superb um expected stats based on his rate metrics and his his you know launch angle exit velocity uh babip these things if that's one guy and the other guy is someone who puts up results I'm, uh, you have to take the one with results i'm sorry like it, it just may it may seem counterintuitive in this day and age but those decisions pan out sometimes and you know you gotta just when it comes to that you just gotta take what you know and i feel like 
counting stats, it's always going to be more reliable than than expected stats based on metrics because you know it's one thing to say it's expected but what what's first of all what's the formula you're using to calculate these things is it fair to all types of players like for example is BABIP fair to use for um, a ground ball pitcher as opposed to a Garrett Cole it's a it's a conversation we got to have right I think it's overdue you know some of these stats don't look at um you know those things fair between pitches like like uh, fielding and independent pitching i have a problem with that one because it it um just inherently it discounts or and it sort of discredits and weighs less heavily um what you can accomplish by inducing weak contact which is not luck at a certain point it's not luck it's skill um as opposed to blowing guys away at 100 up in the zone, you know? And th- there's a time and a place for both, but I feel like you shouldn't weigh something like war, like F4. That's why, I like, I, I don't subscribe to F4 as much as I do B war. Again, this is all fuck, a, a fucking gong show. Analytical gong show is urinating, she would put it, but um, that's why I don't like that stat as much because it, it when it's calculating pitcher war, I believe it uses FIP instead of ERA, like... So if if it's uh, Marcus Stroman, who's obviously, since he's not really a strikeout guy and he hasn't been for a number of years, uh, maybe this year it's different, but for the, for, you know, for the most part of his career, um, it's not, it's not going to look at him favorably as opposed to someone with a higher ERA but lower FIP because three true outcomes and all these things. So that's why I have a problem with just solely using stats. And the real stat nerds, they just dig their heels in and they will not change their mind. These guys on fucking Twitter, on Reddit, it's just, it's a cesspool of, of who knows more fancy stats. And it's just like, when did, when did we, first of all, when did we decide that all of the traditional stats mean nothing? And I will have pitching wins and losses as an exception. That's always been bullshit. And it's costed some guys uh, Hall of Fame spots, aka Dave Steve, but it is what it is. I mean, you just you just can't you can't go around com- like I don't think baseball commentary and the way we talk about um, the way we talk about baseball players and their performances as as members of the media should be dependent on these just alien fucking stats that like how could anybody like listen I know there's people that are much more stat nerd than I am but how could you just look how, like okay let's use the example of Marcus Stroman and Garrett Cole how could you look how could you watch a match a pitching matchup between Garrett Cole and Marcus Stroman then look at what FIP tells you look at what F4 tells you look at what um the the rate metrics tell you and say that Garrett Cole is light years ahead of Marcus Stroman and Marcus Stroman is just kind of a whatever he's a number four pitcher like yeah Garrett Cole is he has maybe crazier stuff in terms of his fastball again this is eye test stuff but like to to that's what the stats that's what the fancy stats would probably tell you i would imagine is that they would favor garrett cole because he has lots of strikeouts and low era and low fip and um discount marcus stroman because part of his game plan is inducing ground balls is that fair i don't think so i personally don't think so right so that's that's I think that's a pretty good example. You can't, 
so so yeah so we've come to a place in baseball media now where these sorts of things are just so important and so like like even players know what ex woba is carlos correa talks about it like like it's uh, like everyone knows about it you know and well at a certain point when you're when you're coming to making decisions about free agents or drafting it's a part of the process absolutely i'm not not to take anything away from you know these fucking fan graph stats it's part of the process but it shouldn't be the only part of the process and it shouldn't be paramount to any other part of the process eye test is important you can look you can take what Statcast tells you about a guy's uh, pitching results in his, you know, his senior year of college or whatever it is, some twenty-three-year-old dude. Without, but maybe it, what it doesn't tell you is that he has a fucking Alex Wood as windup, and his elbow is going to be out of commission in five years. You're not going to know that unless you watch a game that he's pitching in, right? And so that's yeah. So that I think I'm <laughs> going on a tangent here, but. I think we just need to be more mindful of the fact that ex-woba and ex-dog plus is not, you know, it's not, it's not uh, the holy grail of all tools we have to gauge a baseball player. Um, so that's that. You know, I would, I would like to be a scout. I would. I've I've kind of researched how one goes about doing that, and I'm. I come to the conclusion that I guess it's just about knowing people, as most cool jobs are. But I would love to do that when I'm older. I would I would love to be a baseball scout. Um, I think I'd be okay at it. Sorry, okay at it. But I know pitching a lot more than I know hitting. I can look at a pitcher and tell you a lot more about where he might be in five years than I can do for a hitter. I don't I don't think I would be able to do that very successfully for a hitter, because I don't have much hitting experience myself. Um, so it is what it is. Yeah, when I played Little League and shit, dude, I was a terrible hitter. I think I hit, like, 178 for the season. Yeah. To be fair, I let in a lot of runs, too, pitching, but, I don't know, my strikeout numbers were good. (laughs) I don't know, I'm I'm talking about these Little League stats like it matters. I don't know. I wasn't really that good on either side of the ball. I was okay defensively, but I was, point is, I was shit at hitting, and, um, I just really don't know enough about it to be confident in... Um, I don't know, putting stock in a certain guy over another guy based on what I see and based on their results. But pitching, I feel I feel confident I could probably do that with, you know, with obviously with some more instruction. So I don't know, maybe one day I figure out how to get into that job without being someone's son. Yeah, I don't, it's not something they really usually put up uh, job postings for on Indeed or anything. I mean, I'm sure I could. I'm sure it's something you could email someone about and, and inquire as to the process, and they'll tell you some bullshit about oh, send us an application. But really, it's about being someone's nephew or something. But uh, a lot of jobs are like that in media, especially. I definitely chose the wrong thing to be interested in. Um, but you know, again, it is what it is. Uh, elsewhere in baseball, uh, AL Central leading Twins, forty-five and forty-three. Uh, Interesting that both, or sorry, not both, just just the Blue Jays, uh, fourth place in the AL East, only six games over 500, would be leading the AL Central, and um, pretty close in the AL West. Uh, Rangers are 51 and 36. They're, the Rangers far surpassed my expectations of them, 
first of all, for, even from the beginning of the season, but especially now that Jacob DeGrom's gone. And by the way, when, when DeGrom comes back, I say turn him into like a two-inning reliever, like an 8-9 guy, like a Tom Henke type closer. Um, I think because because earlier in his career, when he didn't have as many injury issues, I mean, he still had some, but it wasn't as... Uh, it wasn't like clockwork like it is now. Um, he was throwing slower, but you just got to consider the, the stress throwing 102 miles per hour with, with your fastball puts on your arm and you're throwing 90 pitches a night. It's tough. It's tough. And that's that's not... Um, and I'm sure... And I know... Actually, I shouldn't say I'm sure. I know for a fact because he did an interview about it. Um, Jacob deGrom is upset about this and he's he's disappointed in you know the fact that his body has let him down again but you can't you can't blame him for that you can't put fault on him for that could you fault um the Mets pitching staff for that and not this like their their coaches their pitching coaches possibly we could have that conversation but more so it's just I think we got to start realizing that it's really not healthy for your arm to to be doing that obviously like that's a given but I don't think I don't think it's sustainable for 99% of guys. Think about if Aroldis Chapman was a starter. I'm sure at some point in his career he tried to be, maybe not in professional baseball, but back in Cuba, I don't know. I think he's Cuban. Or Cuban or Dominican, either one. But anyways, um I actually I think he is Cuban. Um you know, and I'm sure it didn't go great because look, he 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 maxes out at 104ish like on a really 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 good day. It's tough on the arm. It's really, really tough on the arm. Like, the human elbow is not designed for that type of stress even, like, a couple times, let alone uh, 50, 100-mile-per-hour fastballs a la Jacob deGrom, you know? It's, it's, it's really tough. And so I think when deGrom comes back, he should be a closer, late reliever, setup guy, whatever you want to... Yeah, well, he's much better than Jose Leclerc, right? So I think... But oh, the problem is that contract. Ooh, that contract. See, this is why if I think if I was a baseball GM, I don't think I would be that good because I don't think I would be able to give out those contracts to these guys. The the to the 45 millions, the 40 millions to the Verlanders and Scherzers of the world. That's the kind of money you got to shell out to get top tier talent in um in free agency nowadays, but I just don't think I would be able to do that in good faith, even with a billion dollars in budget. Like, the chances are it's not going to go well. It's just, it's just, it's playing the numbers, man. It re- that's really all it is. Like, you can't, you can't look at Justin Verlander, even after his amazing season last year, his Cy Young season. I think, was he like under two ERA? That's insane. But, uh, well, he barely qualified because he was injured for a little bit. But regardless, he had a really good season. I can't look at a guy like that even after a Cy Young winning season. I can't get. I can't in good faith give him forty five million dollars a year for two years. I just can't. And that's why I don't think I'd be as successful as uh, someone making personnel decisions. But I think I'd be a pretty good pitching scout, or maybe even a manager. But I don't know. I can't. I can't really yell at guys. I'm too. I'm too nice. To figure out how to fucking shed that, but yeah, so that's that's where we stand on that. Um, yeah, that that oh that Degrom contract, man, he's just generational when he's on, but it's 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 gonna be an albatross. I'm sorry, man, it is, and they do this in every sport. It's not just baseball, hockey. Some GMs are just like, oh, 
man, notorious for it. Like Benning and um, that fucking, what's it, Aquilini, that whole management group in Vancouver, bro, they are just notorious for horrible, horrible trades and horrible contracts. Remember, sorry, who traded for JT Miller? Was it Vegas? I don't think it was Vegas. Someone, or was it Pittsburgh? I don't know, but that contract is fucking terrible. And they've done that like 10 times. It's insane, bro. Yeah, Jim Benning. Fuck that, dude. There's a lot, you know, a lot of Canadian teams have just horrible geriatric fucking, like, front offices. Um, Kyle Dubas was like, okay, but I, don't, I think there's certain aspects that he didn't really, that he took for granted about the Leafs. And he didn't realize that they weren't physical enough just because of the raw talent, but... It's it's interesting. It's actually really interesting. When I was little, when I was when I started watching hockey all those years ago, the general makeup of of NHL teams was big, old, slow, and brutish. And around that time, we started seeing the transition of that formula to just put a fucking bunch of Mitch Marners on the ice. And it happened like within a span of like 15 years. So now what we're seeing is like an emphasis on speed, on dangling, on all these things, on passing. When before, in the days of the Sedin twins and fucking Phil Kessel, it wasn't so. It was not so. And But I think we're, we're noticing now, peop, like GMs and coaches alike are realizing that you need that physicality, maybe not to the extent of like the Canucks back in the day, because that was just insane. But um, oh, and they had they had that they had that whole kind of chemistry and makeup for like years after it was in style, like into like the the late 2010s, like it was insane. But anyways, um, I, yeah, I think we're realizing now that you need someone to push guys around. You need some, you need a Ryan Reeves, you need a Ryan Reeves to to just make because part of the problem. It, it was especially glaring in the playoffs with the Leafs, but they just, and I talked about this on the podcast before, they didn't have space to do anything, let alone get a good shot off, uh, a, a well-timed uh, breakaway, one-timer, uh, whatever it is, slap shot. They didn't have space to do any of that because there's no one physical. They didn't have any pests. They had Michael Bunting, but he doesn't know when, when, to, when to stop going, when to stop crossing that line. He caught a suspension. He was invisible the rest of the series. Michael Bunting is not cannot be that guy. Austin Matthews, if he wanted to, if he really, really wanted to, he could because he's just such a big guy. He's a powerful guy. But he's he's like he has the mentality of like silk and cashmere socks and tissue paper, you know. Mitch Marner, as much as maybe he'd like to, he cannot be that guy. Nylander, maybe, maybe, but he won't. He sometimes he tries, but he doesn't. Always finish his checks, just like Matthews, just like Marner. Tavares is too old to do that now, so you need, like, a bully. You need a Matt Martin. I liked when they had Matt Martin on the roster because you just need a couple guys that when there's a Sam Bennett bullying you, you it's just a, a, a requirement. It's necessary to have someone on the active roster that can stop you, that can step in and be you know, a force to be reckoned with instead of, bro, Sam Bennett, if he was on the Leafs, bro, this guy would be, like, banned for life, you know what I mean? So, you, you just need, you need a Ryan Reeves. So, uh, I think Brad, whatever his name is, addressed that by signing Ryan Reeves. He's getting up there, he's not going to do a lot of scoring, but 
I definitely think you need a guy to be the clubhouse glue, to 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 reinforce the notion that look, we're a team, we gotta have each other's backs. That this is important in hockey now. So yeah, it used to be for a couple of years there. Emphasis was on guys like Mitch Marner, you know, have a speedy line, Connor McDavid, whatever it is. Connor McDavid is more physical than Mitch Marner is, but. Um, Although Mitch Marner is good, he's good defensively. He's a good defensive forward. Like he, his forechecks are not bad. Like he put he he can sustain pressure on a good day. But the problem is he just he can't back it up, right? He'll he's getting slammed into the boards. Uh, pause. But you know, so I think the Ryan Reeves signing addresses that. Maybe in kind of a I don't know how to, what's the word what's the word I should put in kind of a overt way. But you need you needed to make some changes, and I think they're they're realizing that they're realizing what everyone else in the hockey world has realized over the past couple months, and so that's good, right? Um, but with that, I think we're gonna sign off. We're going to, uh, yeah, uh, just wait until the next podcast to talk about some more some more things in sports. Talk about the National League and, and stuff like that. But thank you very much for listening, uh, and have a great week. See ya.